one thing, John, I just can't help it. I just got to scratch this itch real quick. Uh, the flea flicker that the Titans hit. It's just so annoying to me that the Broncos had nothing like that. No, no trick up their sleeve. No wrinkle. You had two weeks to prepare for the game. We were holding out hope over the bye week that the Broncos and their coaches would come up with something to kind of jumpstart this offense. And we'd see it against Tennessee. Anything to make us have a little bit more hope going into the second half of the season. Well, so much for that. Same old crap with this offense. We'll be talking about it along with some stats that are just, they just tell the whole story on what's, you know, on what we've been watching through the first nine games of the season. All that and more coming up next. But first and foremost, it's the Broncos Wire podcast. Welcome to the show. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Heath. He's the managing editor of USA Today's Broncos Wire. John, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Ryan. And it's kind of unfortunate I've basically reached the point this season of not tuning out because I can't tune out. I cover the team and not that I don't care, but it's just reached a point of just like acceptance, I guess. And what's unfortunate is I think a lot of fans have reached a point of tuning out. And that's a bummer for me because then they don't want to read the blog posts. You know, fewer people want to listen to the podcast because when you're winning and the team is fun to watch and everything's going well, then everybody's excited. Everybody's engaged. Everybody's tuned in. And when you're absolutely awful and a dumpster fire, like Broncos fans don't want to think about that. You know, you want to disengage from it. You don't want that making your life miserable. So it's kind of a bummer that the Broncos, you know, we're not even, we're halfway through November now. We're not even to December yet. And Broncos fans, they've given up on the season. It's understandable. They've given up on the season, but even more than that, it's like fans, they're tuning out already. They don't even care. And the Broncos, they're going to have some home games coming up. I think they're going to have a lot of no-shows. And with this new ownership group, fans being disengaged, and I bet there's going to be a lot of no-shows coming up. Like, I don't know. I think this ownership group, uh, I mean, we've talked about it for weeks now, but at some point, like, you got to make significant changes. It could be coming. And I can't, I can't blame Broncos fans either. I mean, you think back to those primetime games, John, where they were showing the, the fans in the crowd a lot because, uh, you know, unfortunately for Broncos fans, it was kind of hilarious to see their faces <laughs> and their reactions because it kind of spoke volumes, right? There's nothing that the broadcasters have to say. The fans' faces said it all. Them leaving during that, uh, that what was it, a Thursday night game? I forget. It was a night. It was another primetime uh, yeah. game it at overtime. It was a tie game. Yep. Yeah, overtime. Yeah. yeah. Fans are streaming out of the stadium. Uh, and you know, it's just not the product. And we've said this many times throughout, you know, doing this weekly show, uh, the product is just not matching expectations, um, that, that we had. And it's just very, it's very disheartening. It's very hard to, to watch. It it is, that's, that's what it is. And there is a, and this is the wrong adjective to use, but there is an awesome stat that encapsulates, uh, encapsulates everything that's gone wrong for the Broncos this season. Um, I think you've been tweeting about it, John, because Denver's defense is so freaking great, um, the Broncos, all they've had to score is 18 points a game. Now, if they scored exactly 18 points in every game this season, they'd be 8-1. and one. The only game they would have lost is the Raiders game. They would have won every other game if they had just scored 18 every week. And so, John, that kind of puts into perspective how bad and how demoralizing the start really is for the team, doesn't it? 
Yeah, and I think it's largely on Nathaniel Hackett because we've talked about it before. He's an offensive guy, a former offensive coordinator, and like his thing is offense. And Denver, the last six years since Peyton Manning retired, even the second half of Peyton Manning's final season, he was really falling off. So really like six and a half, seven years, the offense has been awful, and Hackett was supposed to be the guy to come in and fix it. And not only has he not fixed it, it's gotten way worse. Like, like you said, the defense has allowed the fewest points in the NFL. They have the number one defense in points allowed. But on offense, they have scored the fewest points. They have the 32nd ranked offense in points scored. And like you said, 18 points, that would put them at 8-1 and one this season. 18 points is not even good. Like it, It's no, barely sucks. even yeah. competent. That would rank as the seventh worst total in the NFL. So it's not like Hackett needs a good offense or a great offense. He just needs to be mildly competent, and they can't even do that. And for an offensive-minded guy, it's just like, what are we doing here? We talked about before the London game, like if they lose to the Jaguars and they have their bye week, maybe they would make a – a switch there and they beat the Jaguars. So they didn't make a switch, but then this last week they lose to the Titans. Now they're three and six and they didn't fire hack it. It's like, okay, are they just going to wait until the off season? Cause they figure nothing really going to change in the season. Or are they just waiting? If it's like a two, three losing streak after the bye, will they make a change then? I don't know what point it's going to have to come to for Hackett to potentially be fired. But like you have already said on the podcast, at the very least, they got to take away the play sheet from him. And Hackett has spoken this week about accountability, and he said that, you know, the accountability falls on him first. I'm like, okay, well, what does that look like? Like, you say that, but how's a tangible way that that can be applied? And, and like, the most practical way is your play calling hasn't been good enough. The offense hasn't been good enough. So hand over play calling to someone else. Yeah, you got to try something. And I know George Payton – uh, came out and addressed that, John. I think it was one of his pressers after the London trip. Might have been during the bye week. And he was asked specifically about taking the play sheet from Nathaniel Hackett. Like, would you intervene and take it? Like, we actually did a whole segment on that. And I had a very passionate rant about it. If folks want to go back and check that out, please do. Uh, and George Payton basically said, nope, it's not my job to uh, take the play sheet from Nathaniel. I trust Nathaniel, blah, 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 blah. Back Nathaniel, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, George, no, it is your job to take the play sheet. It is. If he won't, if, if he won't give it up, it is your job. P- please, George Payton, take the play sheet. <laughs> Again, go back and listen to that rant. I'm not going to recycle it right now. Uh, but it is amazing. The Broncos have a point differential of now negative 18. Now it is in the negatives. You're three games below 500. But that's 10 points better than the Chargers, who are two games ahead of them. <laughs> it just shows you. Like, usually, it's not that close. When you're three and six, you, you've almost, you're almost even. You're only 18 points below uh, zero in terms of point differential. It just shows you how amazing the defense has been and how horrible the offense has been, John, as you said. And it's just like, I agree with you. It's time for a new play caller. Obviously, I've been on that train for weeks. Uh, but and it's just like, why does everything have to be a sexy deep ball? You know, why is it, why is it like that? Like, and I'm not crapping on the Jalen Virgil touchdown reception. That was a great play. But that's all we got. That's all we got. That was the, literally the offense this past week against the, t- the Titans, right? Like, it's like, we're going to drop back, we're going to chuck it downfield, and, and you know, see, we'll see what happens. Russ is either going to get sacked, he's going to throw a pick, or we're going to hit a touchdown. You know, it's like, that's that's the plan, or we're going to punt. Usually we punt, right? He's sacked six times for a loss of 38 yards. It's just, he's holding the football. And we're waiting for these long pass plays to develop, but a lot of the throws seem like they're down the field. And it's just like, what, 
can we get can we simplify this thing? Can we just get the ball out a little quicker, John? Can we use the running backs? We just got Chase Edmonds. Can we use him in the passing yep. game? Yep. Can we get Greg Dulcich going? He's already proven that he can spark the offense. Just get the ball in his hands. Cortland Sutton. Like not everything has to be down the field. Like he we've actually had plenty of success throwing it short to intermediate to Cortland Sutton in this game. But then all of a sudden you go down the field to him and you throw a pick. So it's like why is everything like Chuck and Duck, 50-50, let's see what happens, John. It just kind of lacks imagination and any semblance of consistency when you try to live that way. And it's obviously not working. I mean, you mentioned the the Broncos. They're averaging 14.6 points per game. 14.6. That is so bad. It's so bad in the modern-day NFL with all the rules that help the quarterback and the offenses. Come on, man. It's It's crazy. You're right. 18 points a game would suck. That would be horrible. If you scored exactly 18 again, you'd be 8-1 and one right now. 8-1. and one. That's how good your defense is. So something's got to change. But the, the chuck and duck hero ball thing with, the, with this offense, it's, I think that's what makes me want to tune out. It's just like I'm not seeing anything imaginative, especially coming out of the bye week, right? I mean, we talked yeah, about it last yeah. week. I thought this was a chance for Hackett to show us something. He had two weeks to prepare for this game. And you hit one play, and that's it. That's your that's your offense for the game. The one big touchdown pass to, to you know to this receiver the Titans probably didn't even prep for. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it's you, it's just so frustrating. You mentioned Chase Edmonds. I want to come back to him a little bit and come back to the whole backfield a little bit. And you mentioned Greg Dulcich. I agree. They got to get Dulcich more involved. And there's been a couple times now, not just on Sunday. There was another time, a, a handful of times earlier this season too. Dulcich will be wide open and Wilson just completely misses him, doesn't even see him. And I I think this goes all the way back to that time when Wilson was locked in on Cortland Sutton the end of the game and he missed a wide open KJ Hamler. He just gets too locked in sometimes and he won't come off his first read and he just wants to force. He's so confident in Cortland Sutton. It's like, yeah, it's great that you love Cortland Sutton and you're confident in him. But sometimes like if it's double coverage or whatever, or like if the defense is a certain look before the snap, like he's got to not get so locked in. So uh, some of it is some of the offensive struggles are obviously on Wilson. Like you said, he's been holding the ball too long, but I I don't put it all on him holding the ball, how much he was hit and sacked on Sunday because the offensive line was really depleted. They were down to their third choice left tackle, their third choice right tackle, their third choice center, and he was just getting hit so much. I think by the end of the game, I think he was kind of rattled. And, like, I don't know this. I'm just speculating. But I think when a quarterback gets hit like that, I think it makes him rattled. And I think that might be part of the reason why the end of the game there, Wilson just chucked it up. Because, like, he's been hit so much. And I think the pressure, it just messes up a QB. And I think that happened to Wilson. And not to excuse him because he just – he has been holding the ball too long as well, and he's been making some poor decisions, and he's been locking into guys and been kind of blinded. But the the offensive line and the injuries that they've had, that is a factor. And, like, the weapons that he has available, that hurts too. Like, Tim Patrick has the best hands on the team, hasn't been there all year. K.J. Hamler is still out. Jerry Judy went down on the first play of the game. So that's three of your top four receivers. So there's there's all kinds of excuses, but even still, even with the excuses – you got to at least be able to put something together and be competent and like solutions. Like you're talking about, like how, how can we make this better? Like be more pragmatic, be dumping it down to the running backs. Like you're saying, don't overlook Greg Dulcich in the middle of the field. Just make 
some manageable yards and just move down the field. And like you, you mentioned Chase Edmonds. I agree. I think they got to get him involved. He's a very good receiving back. I think he had like two targets and I think he caught both of them in his debut and he only had like two carries. And I don't mind if they want Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray to be the runners and Edmonds to be the receiving guy. I'm okay if he's not going to be really involved as a running running back, but get him involved with the passing game like you're saying because he's also a good pass blocker. But I was kind of frustrated watching the running back rotation on Sunday because they were going Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, Latavius Murray, doing a heavy dose of Murray. And I thought he was getting good, positive yards, making good plays. And then it's just like they feel like they did the same thing earlier in the season with Melvin Gordon and Javon Williams. It's like they think, okay, we gave this guy a handful of carries. Now we have to give the other guy like the exact amount, same amount of carries. I'm like, why? Especially when they say things like we want to ride the hot hand. I'm like, no, you don't. You literally never do that. Like they, it seems like they want to exactly split the reps between them. And I don't know why, because Melvin Gordon put the ball on the ground twice again on Sunday. The first time he was ruled down and I think that the Titans thought it was too iffy to challenge it. It, it, it wants an indisputable maybe to be overturned on a replay, but it was close. It really seemed like the ball was coming out before his knee was down. And it didn't matter because he was ruled down, but that's the time he put the ball on the ground. And later in the game, he was going out of bounds and he was already out of the bounds when the ball was punched out. So it doesn't count. Like neither of them are officially a fumble, but like just watching with your eyes, like it's not in the stat sheet. But you see, again, Melvin Gordon twice put the ball on ground. And not only does that not affect you, he stays in the game and he gets a heavy workload. And like I said, it's like they're like, okay, Latavius Murray, you get five. Gordon, you get five. Murray, you get two. Gordon, you get two. I'm like, why? Just feature Latavius Murray. He's been more productive. He's been way more secure with the ball. And now we got Chase Edmonds. He can be the mix-it-up guy. We don't have to do a 50-50 between Murray and Gordon. We don't have to please Melvin Gordon. That should be the last thing we're worried about. Uh, yeah. and, and Russell Wilson shouldn't be focusing on Cortland Sutton. Um, I agree with all that. I mean, they got away from the running game. They did. I mean, all three of your running backs, Edmonds, Murray, and Gordon, they all ran for a 10-yard carry in the game. Uh, but, you know, you didn't get a lot out of your running game in this game. You're too busy dropping back, getting sacked, and throwing incomplete deep passes in this ball ballgame. Uh, so, just... Super frustrating. And one thing, John, I just can't help it. I just got to scratch this itch real quick. Uh, the flea flicker that the Titans hit. It's just so annoying to me that the Broncos had nothing like that. No, no trick up their sleeve. No wrinkle. You had two weeks to prepare for the game. They just they didn't have anything in the bag, John, to help spark the offense and do something like the Tennessee Titans sucked. How bad was their offense in this game? They couldn't get anything. But they figured it out right at the end of the half and then got another touchdown in the second half. Meanwhile, Denver is scoring zero in the second half, right? I mean, you got nothing. You can't, like, you watch the Titans hit that freaking flea flicker to who is this Nick Westbrook Akinhe? I've never heard of him. And he just gashes us for two long touchdowns, right? Oh, it's so brutal. You don't have anything in your bag, Nathaniel Hackett. No trick play, no nothing. Like, there's just no, no imagination, John. Nothing to, like steal a couple points like the Titans did to you. It's just, it's just night and day. I mean, Mike Vrabel compared to this coaching staff on the, his regime <laughs> compared to the Broncos. You yeah, see I it, right? I know you got, you got two awesome defenses going head to head, two horrible offenses um, that are really like the Titans are, come on, they're a one trick pony with Derrick Henry, right? Like that's all they are. And the Broncos were not going to let Henry beat them. They held him to 2.8 yards per carry. 
So what do the Titans do? They figure it out, right? They figure it out. Um, and uh, so and I think you have some some takes on how Denver defended the, the Titans, but it's just like on the trick play thing, John, we don't have anything in the bag to kind of yeah, you, to, to light up the Titans and get something going like they did to us. You know what I mean? Like that's annoying. Yeah, you want to see some creativity. And again, I'm speculating, but I wouldn't be too surprised if Hackett is kind of scared to be creative because of earlier this season they did try to do a handful of creative things and most of the time it was an absolute disaster (laughs) like they tried to do like a fullback option with andrew beck and it was just terrible so maybe his creativity was just too elaborate and it's like okay like a flea flicker that's not that i i do think they did try a flea flicker earlier this year and it didn't come off so they they have tried some things and they just haven't come off yeah i mean it's just everything the, the the just when you can't even get your normal offense to be functioning he's probably just too worried to try to do the fancy stuff cuz how can you expect that to work when you can't even run regular plays fair enough did did beck throw the ball i can't remember that play now it's probably it's lost in all the I, I don't suck. think he threw it. I think he was supposed to pitch it okay and, oh the option okay option fullback fullback option okay uh, just something give me something Give me something, yeah. but again, we just we can't go there. Uh, and John, you actually are going to quibble with a couple things on the defensive side. I kind of tease that. We'll get that here coming up next. But first, we're going to set our fantasy lineups with some help from the Huddle.com. This is the typical sports book fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting. interesting. Roy Benini with the Huddle.com here to bring you strong plays for Week Number Eleven. New York Giants quarterback Daniel Jones versus the Detroit Lions. Jones isn't an option for the faint of heart. He has 20 or more fantasy points in two of the last three games, but just 10.8 sandwich in between. Jones's role has been mostly that of a game manager in 2022, and he's thrown zero touchdown passes in four of nine contests. This week, Preston versus Detroit's laughable defense of the position. No team has given up more fantasy points on the year, and much of the success is due to four rushing touchdowns allowed. This profiles well for a gamble on Jones in a week in which three viable starting quarterbacks are on by. Running back Isaiah Pacheco at Los Angeles Chargers. We saw him take over the backfield last week with 16 carries, but he has no role as a receiver, which makes him a risky play when facing a tough ground matchup. Luckily, this isn't one of them. LA has allowed the second most rushing yards per game since week 5, and a touchdown every 22 attempts is the seventh highest frequency. Barring something freaky happening, the rookie should be a strong fantasy play as LA looks to contend with all of the weapons in Casey's powerful offense. Wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones at Buffalo Bills. He has quietly emerged as one of the best PPR number 3 receiving options in fantasy over the last six weeks. Peoples-Jones has logged at least nine PPR points in three of those contests, and he has more than 11 fantasy points in four straight. It's fair to assume that the attention paid to Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper will work in concert with a likely pass-heavy script from Cleveland to get Peoples-Jones into double figures yet again. Don't be scared off by the name of Buffalo. This defense has yielded the fourth most yards per game to wide receivers since week five, and only five defenses have allowed receivers to score at a higher clip. New York Jets tight end Tyler Conklin at New England. In the Week 8 Patriots win, Conklin racked up a pair of touchdowns on six catches for 79 yards. New England has struggled to contain the position all year, and it shouldn't come as a surprise if Conklin once again finds the end zone. Even still, Conklin is a fringe fantasy play in most formats, but deserves a lineup spot for those desperate to wager on another touchdown. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out The Huddle.
sportsbook.com. That was your typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Win your fantasy football league with the huddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, we're back. John, you have two quick quibbles with the defense this week. Go ahead. I'll give you the floor. Yeah, and I hate to call out the defense because, like, we talked before the pod, the defense is not the reason the Broncos are 3-6. and six. It's all we like, got. In terms it's of, all we got. Yeah, in terms of scoring, they're the best defense in the NFL. But in this particular game, there was two things that just kind of bothered me. The one, obviously, is a flea flicker. That's unfortunate to give that up. But it's like it's a flea flicker it happened once a game it probably happens like once a season maybe twice a season and it's not ideal but like that happens so that I can excuse but the other thing I didn't like is how the defense came out and played for the Titans drive just before halftime and it was annoying because earlier in the game I thought Evero did a great job with how he set up the Broncos defense coming to this game. Like you said, they held Derrick Henry to 2.8 yards of carry. And that's in part because they came out with three inside linebackers and just one safety. And they got really creative because they had so many outside linebackers missing. They had Jonathan Cooper line up at the one outside linebacker spot and Draymond Jones, their really good defensive end lined up at the other outside linebacker spot. They had two interior defensive linemen between them and then they had three inside linebackers between them so they literally just stacked the box and it worked and even when even when that defense was out there and the titans tried to throw there was so much pressure and they were blitzing linebackers ryan Tannehill was so flustered and he had no time and the titans they couldn't run the ball against the stacked box and even passing the ball which in theory that would have been a decent defense to be able to get behind passing they couldn't pass because there was no time to pass the broncos are generating so much pressure so i gave them so much credit for how they came out and opened up the game and did that but then before halftime they took off those linebackers they only left one inside linebacker and they threw on a ton of dbs and teams do this all the time when they're sitting back at the end of the game or sitting back before halftime and it's obvious passing situation i hate when they sit back and just play prevent defense because they only rushed four And with four defensive linemen, they couldn't get to Tannehill, and he had time. And with time, he just moved the Titans down the field, five, six, seven, you know, just these positive yards, play after play after play, and then moved down the field. And then at the end, at the very end, they did do pressure, but then it was too late. The Titans had already moved all the way down the field, and the Titans ended up getting a touchdown. And a game that was literally decided by one touchdown, like that one defensive drive kind of decided the game. And like – it didn't decide the game because the offense was awful. Like we said, if the offense just scores 18, 18. points, you win. Like this, this, this is number. on the offense. The offense is the reason. But like the defense, for as good as they are, they weren't perfect. And there are things they could get better at. So that, that was just one thing that kind of bothered me. Like your pressure in Tannehill, you're not giving them time to throw, and it's working. And then when they're trying to hurry up and score before halftime, you sit back and give them a ton of time and just allow them to march down the field. I didn't like seeing that. Yeah, I agree with you. It was a cool defensive scheme they came up with. They literally kind of just built a wall and said, nah, Derek Henry, you're not going to run through the wall. And then 
it was a different look that the Titans probably weren't ready for. And you're like you said, you're sending different rushers at him. And yeah, you you had them flustered. And you see teams like go away from that, John. Right? They just decide, okay, we showed we showed that we got to change it now. We can't we can't keep doing the same thing. And it's just like eh, it's, if it's working, make them beat it. You know, make them beat it. I yeah, agree with you. And, and I agree with you. Like an obvious passing situation, I agree. You don't have three inside linebackers in, but at least like blitz your inside linebacker or send like five rushers or something. They just they just sat back so much and gave them such a cushion. Tannehill had so much time and so many holes in the field to to work down the field. I just I didn't like how much they sat back and how they didn't even try to blitz or get send extra pressure. It was just four rushers who weren't getting it done. Yeah, pressure is the name of the game with Tannehill. He doesn't move very well, um, and I think he had an ankle anyway, bad ankle, right? So, um, yeah, unfortunate. Once the Titans get into the red zone, they're really, really tough, and they did. They got that red zone score at the end of the half. It was that was a brutal one. That was probably the difference in the game again because our offense cannot score eighteen freaking points, uh, and they could barely get to their season average of fourteen half the time. Uh, you mentioned Judy going down, uh, John. Give us a. Uh, you know, uh, an outlook on him or, or what the reports are. It sounds like way better than what we feared on the field. So that's good. And also give us a, a little update on the offensive line too, because as you said, we're down to like the third choice at, at most spots, key spots, like both tackles. <laughs> so uh, yeah. give us a little quick injury report before we get into this uh, ball game against Josh McDaniels in Vegas. Yeah, Judy is very good news. There was people thinking and speculating that it may have been a torn Achilles, which would have put him out for the year. But the Broncos said that it's just a mild ankle injury. So that's great. He's just day to day and he'll probably be able to play this weekend. So compared to being done for the season, you know, even if he does miss this weekend, like that's still great news. So it's good news for Judy. The bad news is uh, they lost Billy Turner to a knee injury and he went on injured reserve and Turner, he was their starting right tackle. He wasn't even available at the beginning of the year. So they had Cam Fleming starting at right tackle. And then when Turner finally got healthy, Turner went to right tackle and then Garrett Bowles went down. So Cam Fleming went to left tackle and then Cam Fleming went down. So then they put uh, Calvin Anderson at left tackle. And then Billy Turner went down on Sunday at right tackle. So they put in Quinn Bailey at right tackle. So I'm just listing off a ton of names here. Who we got left. The point <laughs> is they're just they're running out of guys. And right now it seems like Calvin Anderson is the guy at left tackle. And we'll see what Cam Fleming's status is this week. Billy Turner's no longer an option at right tackle. But the good news is, Tom Compton was just activated off the physically unable to perform list. He had been on that all season with a back injury. So he's officially back on the roster now, whether he's able to play on Sunday or not, I don't know. But if they hadn't activated him today, he'd have to sit out the rest of the season because he came up to the window that you have to be off the public. So he he's back on the active roster. Hopefully he's able to play sooner than later because they need him. They're literally running out of offensive linemen. And then they they also Graham Glasgow. It seems like they may have dodged a bullet. He might be okay at center, but uh, on defense they also lost Kwan Williams. He uh, suffered, I think it was a knee injury, and he already had like a broken wrist. He was playing with that gigantic club, and he had a, an interception with that club, which I think is awesome. And then he he hurt his knee, so now he's out for a couple of weeks. And, you know, earlier this year, they already lost Ronald Darby. So Pat Sertan, he's obviously their number one. But Darby was their number two across from him. And Williams was a very good slot corner. So, again, like two of their top three corners are out. And just like Hackett, 
he hasn't been good enough. The whole team hasn't been good enough. But there is a somewhat of a built-in excuse that these injuries are killer. They've, they've just had so many significant injuries to significant starters. So you you do give a little bit of grace for that. But e- even with the injuries accounted for, like we said, you still got to be competent. And they just haven't even been that. So it, it's really frustrating. And the injuries just make it worse. No doubt. The injuries have been a tough one to swallow. Again, Javante Williams. You know, they've had some... Garrett Bowles, just brutal. These are like really important pieces, and you know you're starting to f- try to figure out who the hell's on the on the roster making play. Who, Virgil, who who's who made the catch? You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, that, or at least for me. Uh, so, yeah, injuries are are something you could give Nathaniel Hackett a little bit of rope for. I actually have a a take coming up in the, here in the next segment, John, that I want to give Hackett even a, a smidge more rope too. I've done a lot of ripping of Nathaniel Hackett for good reason. But I do want to give him a little bit of rope uh, based on how much he's getting ripped for this offense. And it kind of ties in with Josh McDaniels as well. We'll do that here coming up next. All right, we're back. It's uh, Raiders week, John, again. It is kind of, I mean, the football football can be a brutal, brutal game, right? When you look at the results of the Broncos and, you know, they've only really got lit up by one offense. It's the freaking Raiders who can't, who can't like, they can't beat anybody this year, but they put up 32 on the Broncos somehow. That's fun. Good job. Uh, Good stuff. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe Josh McDaniels just wants to continue to haunt his former team. This is his return to Denver, uh, where he famously just basically burned the franchise to the ground, traded the quarterback, and left. That was pretty good. Uh, What do you think, John? Are you excited for McDaniels week? Vegas week? What do you think? Yeah, it is going to be interesting. There is... uh no affection felt for Josh McDaniels in Denver. And like you said, it's... uh, a bummer that the defense has played so well. And the one game that they didn't this year was against the Raiders, but I'm not really reading too, too much into that because um, the, the Raiders, they've been such a slump and the defense is playing so well. I don't think the Raiders are putting up 32 points again uh, against the Broncos in mile high. I just don't think that's going to happen. I, 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 because the Broncos are playing at home and because the Raiders are winless on the road this year, like, I'm picking the Broncos to win this game, not confidently. Like I'm not saying uh, sell the farm, pick the Broncos to win this game, but just uh, I, they're both such bad teams. It's hard to it's hard to pick a winner between them. But I think Denver just being at home, and you know they want a little bit of revenge from earlier this season against the Raiders. The Raiders are such a mess; they haven't been able to win on the road. So, and the Broncos, they're really, I mean, the Raiders are up against it too, but the Broncos are kind of up against the wall. Like for Nathaniel Hackett, he's feeling it. Russell Wilson, he's feeling it. I And the definition of insanity is, you know, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So maybe either I'm going crazy, Ryan, or I'm just way too optimistic because I think the Broncos, you know, maybe they'll, turn things around just a little this week, uh, at least enough to be able to get by the Raiders. Yeah. Maybe half a unit you put on the Broncos, half a unit. You can't, can't do it very too. Can't be too excited. Don't put too much money down, but I hear you, John. No, no, you are going insane because every single week you have to talk about how it's a must win for the Broncos. It must get exhausting. <laughs> it must get exhausting. Here, here's an honest question right now where we in, in, in reality right now, going into Sunday, you got, you got to have one quarterback to win. Who do you, who would you rather have Russell Wilson or Derek Carr? Uh, at this very moment, I think I would rather have Derek Carr, even though he's not playing well 
yeah, it's it's tough. It's just Wilson, he's done things this season, like I said, that a guy at his stage in his career, they should not be problems for him. Like it's a it's something that you expect like a young quarterback to be going through. And the fact that Wilson's doing that and it's like his 10th or 11th season, it's just alarming. And Derek Carr is not a perfect quarterback and he hasn't played well this year, but I think he's very solid and competent. And like that's what I keep sink, seeking from the Broncos is what I keep saying. Like they just need to be competent. And I feel like Carr can be that. So at this very moment, I guess I would pick him. Yeah, it's it's close. It's close, uh, which is brutal because it should be Wilson. The answer should be Wilson going away. But yeah. uh, if it's close, and man, the Broncos have done bad things to you, John. If you're pick, you're picking Derek Carr, and he's playing <laughs> he's playing awful football right now. Uh, if you watch that Josh McDaniels offense, that's not working either. And and this is what I want to say, like. Um, I'm going to give Nathaniel Hackett just a shred of rope. I'm going to give Josh McDaniels a shred of rope here instead of ripping them to shreds because that would be easy to do. They both are having terrible first seasons in their new their new uh, uh, head coaching jobs. But in today's NFL, it's just really hard, John, to like be expected to come to a new franchise, install a brand new offense from the ground up in year one while you're inheriting a roster from another regime. It's just really hard to plug that in and and do that now some guys are just good enough to make it work kevin o'connell uh with minnesota he's got freaking justin jefferson and dalvin cook i mean he's making it work they just got tj hawkinson oh wow it's it's working i guess i'm not too surprised by that but kevin o'connell's making it work mike mcdaniel same type of thing he shows up in miami gets tyree kill oh okay we'll make this work right so i guess when you have the elite personnel it's a little bit easier but when you're living in reality um it's hard, right? It's really hard to do what Vegas and Denver are trying to do in year one. Uh, I mean, it's much more feasible in, in the NFL to find your quarterback. Again, that's not an easy thing. Denver's been trying to do that for a long time. Once you find your quarterback, though, John, you kind of build the offense around that player's skill set, build the pieces around that player, and you build it from year to year, right? And then say you have some success and another team plucks your offensive coordinator, maybe a college plucks your offensive coordinator or another NFL team. You just promote from within, keep the same terminology, same offense. You keep building it. And this is what we see across the league with guys like Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, uh, the guys that have been around, right? Patrick Mahomes, the guys that have been around and stay around. It's really hard to do that from scratch. So I, I will say that when it's this awful, you have to remember that it is, it's really hard to show up somewhere, have a new quarterback that you've never worked with and be like, we're going to make this we're going to hit the ground running here. Now, Nathaniel Hackett has been terrible and I think he should be fired at the end of the year. So I'm not saying that. I'm just giving him a little shred of the benefit of the doubt, John. And the same with McDaniel's because it's not easy to do what they're doing. To to show up with rosters that aren't perfect and you have injuries and the Raiders do too over there, right? You know, they lost a couple of guys. They put a couple of guys on IR last week. It's really hard to just like make everything work magically. And when you don't have like elite personnel around you. So there's my rant rant over. What do you think? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Uh, and I understand there's going to be growing pains and stuff, but I would just push back again, just the level of how bad it is. Like, uh, I, like the level a level of incompetence you, is just like overwhelming. You got to put, you got to put your quarterback in position to succeed. And like you said, the team, you get, you find your good QB and then you build around him. The coach, like you build the offense around him. You, you know, you, what his strengths are, you feature that. And what he's not good at, you know, 
you eliminate that from the playbook. And to me, it seems like Hackett just hasn't done a good enough job of getting the absolute best out of Russell Wilson. Honestly, it, it seems like sometimes when Wilson is like trying to stay in the pocket and stuff and, and trying to run the offense, it almost seems like it's like putting Wilson in a box. And I feel like getting the best out of Russell Wilson is let him move around more. Let him do like some play actions. Let him do some bootlegs. Like get him loose and move around. And honestly, like, it may be in part because he is a shorter quarterback, but like sometimes with his blind spots, like the middle of the field, not seeing Dulcich and like locking into guys, like a lot of times when that's he's in the middle of the pocket and there's huge offensive linemen in front of him. So when Russell Wilson is at his best, in my opinion, when he's his most dangerous and when he's making the most plays is when he gets out of the pocket and when he's running around, because that, that puts such a strain on the defense. If you come up, because you're afraid of Wilson running, then the man you're covering obviously is wide open. And Wilson just buying time, like the longer a defense has to be in coverage, the more likely somebody's getting get open. And Wilson getting away from those offensive linemen, defensive linemen, it opens up his vision and allows him to see the field more. So I, I just think Hackett hasn't done a good enough job of getting the best out of his quarterback. And but part of it is like you're saying, it's not necessarily all Hackett's job because they got their coach first and then they got their quarterback. And when you're talking about a franchise quarterback, or at least what should be a franchise quarterback, like he's more important than the coach. Like if it came down to Russell Wilson or Nathaniel Hackett, you pick Wilson and you fire Nathaniel Hackett in part because of the money, because of how much salary cap yep. space and Wilson, they have to stick with him for a couple of years now. But like, you got to find a coach that is perfect for Russell Wilson and is going to put him in the perfect op- offense and put him in a position to succeed. And it's not necessarily Hackett's fault that he was hired first and then he got his quarterback, especially because we've talked about before, it was kind of assumed that the Broncos are trying to make a run at Aaron Rodgers. And if that was the case, then Nathaniel Hackett, that was the perfect coach for Aaron Rodgers. And he knows how to put Aaron Rodgers in position to succeed because Rodgers had back-to-back MVP seasons with Hackett as his offensive coordinator. So I, I see what you're saying. Like uh, the quarterback-coach marriage, it's got to be a good fit. And, you know, it's not always just – from day one, everything's going to run smoothly and go perfectly. So I know there's going to be bumps in the road, but I question, you know, are Hackett and Wilson a fit just period? And if they're not, then uh, like I said, you move on from Hackett and you try to bring in a coach that's going to get the best out of Wilson. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we're 10 weeks into this thing, this thing now, John. So yeah, it, it does come back on Hackett. He should be on the hot seat. He is on the hot seat and that doesn't change. It's just, you know, what they're trying to pull off here is tough. And it's, yeah, it's just like if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for the Broncos, that'd be easy. Just plug him in the Hackett's offense. Rodgers would be kind of running the whole show anyway. Um, but when you're, when you've got Wilson, don't you kind of have to spend the entire offseason now breaking down every single game with the Seahawks and figure out what they did with him? And you have to, you almost have to change your offense now around to, to, to work to his strengths. And it just doesn't feel like that's yeah. happening, right? That it, it hasn't happened. And again, the, the Broncos are so lost on offense. There's no imagination. Uh, all the things we've been talking about, um, it's just brutal. It's a brutal watch, and I, I understand why fans are, are tuning out. I hope they're not tuning out of the Broncos Wire podcast, though, John. Uh, and and those that are still listening, we appreciate you. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, 100%. We, we do appreciate you all, and, and we're going to keep showing up every week. 
uh, and we'll and we'll keep yelling at Hackett every single week on here, John, until something changes and we start winning <laughs> games again. Uh, but are we pick? We're not picking Vegas, right? In in Denver, uh, what's our official pick here? The Broncos are three point home favorites. Uh, are you backing them to win, John? What's your official prediction? Yeah, my official prediction in Sports Weekly, I think I put twenty four to twenty, and in hindsight, I think that's way too high of a score. I think <laughs> it's more likely to be like 20 high scoring one for the Broncos. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I have the Broncos winning, and I had them winning by four points. So that's what I wrote. That's got to be my uh, official word on it. Okay, we're back in the Broncos. I'm with you, John. I'm going to take the home team here to win uh, by three. (laughs) We'll take the push if we can get it. Uh, And uh, half a unit, half a unit. We're not doing multiple units here on the Broncos uh, until uh, we say otherwise. It is not happening. Uh, A lot of more uh, previews for this ballgame coming up on Broncos Wire the rest of the week, John. Yep, we're writing about the game, you know, writing about the Josh McDaniels angle, uh, just the AFC West angle, the TV map, everything you expect for Raiders week. Yeah, some juicy stuff on Josh McDaniels, I'm sure, coming up on on Broncos Wire. Actually, I think Patriots Wire got a good article up, John. It was about Broncos fans and Patriots fans uniting uh, (laughs) in in hating Josh McDaniels and wanting him gone because Denver fans just want him gone. Or, I'm sorry, Raiders fans want him gone uh, and Patriots fans want him back because the Patriots offense is so bad and Mac Jones has been broken without him. So the Patriots fans want McDaniels back as their offensive coordinator. And uh, Raiders fans just want him gone in general. And Broncos fans can uh, they can sympathize with that <laughs> that notion that Raiders I think fans. Are Broncos through. fans would love for him to stay in Las Vegas yes. and run them into the ground. Their owners come out and back McDaniel's and say, and there's even been reports that the Raiders have told him he's good to go through 2023, which is just crazy premature to yeah, me. Yeah. But at the pace they're going right now, like from a Broncos perspective, it's good news. It's like, yeah, run them into the ground like you did the Broncos. That would be really nice. Yeah, Mark Davis. He does. He sounds like somebody. Uh, George Payton, maybe? Uh, I don't know. He's, he reminds me of someone <laughs> and his just emphatic backing of the head coach. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Raiders week. It's always fun. McDaniels, juicy stuff. Check it out on uh, Broncos Wire. John Heath and the crew has everything covered. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Thanks for joining us this week. We'll be back next week to break it all down. We'll catch you then. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.